We're in this series called Saturate. We started it last week. The goal of this series is to help us see that that God uh, longs to saturate our city, to saturate our world with his goodness and also with his good news, both together. That, that's the, the heart of this series. I was thinking about this. I've been, I had a cold the last few days, and um, my wife bought me this awesome box of Kleenex. Now, if you can see it from the back, it's a Puffs Kleenex. So, and it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's filled with, um, with Vicks lotion, with Vicks lotion. Now, my first gut reaction was like, but how, how much did this cost? Like, was this like a $5 box of Kleenex, Franca? I'll do with toilet paper. But I, I took, I took her, her love and, and support and I used it. And this is a pretty amazing Kleenex. If anybody needs one, I'm going to just leave it right over here. Um, and any, any inch of this Kleenex is pretty awesome because when you smell it, like Vicks just really like just fills your body. And now the key is to blow your nose first and then suck in, because otherwise it, it won't work. But aroma is, is pretty awesome, and it does help. So thanks, honey, for that. I appreciate it. Why I was thinking about that, yes, you can clap for my wife. Why I was thinking about that is like every little, you know, millimeter of this Kleenex is just saturated with Vicks. That's what makes it pretty awesome, because anywhere that you use it, is just going to be filled that way. And we, this is the image that we started with last week. What would, what would it look like, you know, to see our city saturated with the goodness and good news of Jesus? What it, but we started with this thought of, well, how is Jesus saturating our lives? And last week we began with more of a reflective thought. You know, we asked two big questions. They're on the screen here today. What is saturating your life right now? And that's an important question because we said unintentionally or intentionally, there are things that are saturating us. And we walked through some things last week. If you didn't hear that, you can go back and listen to the podcast. But that's like this reflective question of our current reality. What is saturating our life right now? And some things that are, are positive, are leading us towards the kind of life that God has in store for us. Some of, some of the things that are saturating us are leading us towards a life we don't want to see happen. Then we ask this other question, which is more of a vision question, not what is, but what must saturate your life right now? What must be saturating your life right now? And the heart of this is to discover, uh, are there things that, are sh- that we want to shape us, influence us in such a way that, we'll, that God will then use us to be an impact um, in our lives? See, the desire is to see our city, like we said, saturated with the goodness and good news of Jesus, However, as we hope for God to do that through us, we first, or at least simultaneously, must allow him to do that in us. It's not just about God doing that through us, but what God is doing in us. And last week we had these circles up on the screen, and and the, the, the concentric circles, if you can get it to the next slide somewhere, I think it's there. Are we there? Oh, it's not working. (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, we had this, there we go. Often we want to think outwards, right away. Let's, how are we going to saturate the city? How are we going to bless people? How are we going to be an impact? But last week we started right in the middle with reflection on ourselves. And as we stay hovered towards the middle this week, we want to ask the question, um, how is Jesus saturating our lives? So we move from what is saturating, thinking about what must saturate us, to this question today or this thought is Jesus saturation. Like, and, and, and this is a given. Jesus' desire, we know it, is to see the world transformed. 
is to see people come into relationship with him. I mean, right in the, in the gospel narratives of the birth of Jesus is that, you know, give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins, right? We, we get this sense that Jesus was sent to us. He came, he became flesh to live in our neighborhood so the world would be blessed. And this is a grand story in the whole of Scripture, right from the Old Testament, as God calls Abraham and others to be a blessing to the nations, right? And there is a, 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 an outward type of, of mission there. It's clear. But the amazing thing is that as you read the story of Jesus, what becomes so clear in his story is that he was content to hang around with a few people. He did have crowds, he did do the Sermon on the Mount. He did teach from you know, a boat on the water and talk to crowds. He did have people flock to him. He did heal many. But if you track with the story of Jesus, the majority of his time were with just a few people. And that seems counterintuitive to, for someone who wants to reach the world to spend most of his time with just a few people. But Jesus seemed to believe that developing a few disciples that would get so immersed in him would eventually change the world, would eventually pour out to the world. So if we paint this canvas of Jesus's life, and, I, and, and so we're going to do this, this broad canvas of his life, and I want to focus on just a few words and a few moments in Jesus's life that, that come to mind. There's these few words that come to mind. I'm going to list them on the screen. And, and if you're familiar with the New Testament, you might say, yeah, those are New Testament words. I've seen those words in the New Testament before. And as I think about the canvas of Jesus's life and his, his, his intentionality of being connected with a few people, these words come to mind. Come, follow, abide, go. Now, you've probably heard more messages on this word right here, right? Go and make disciples of all nations. Go, and, and that is part of our heartbeat even in this series as we progress. Go it seems to be the obvious choice. It's ambitious, it's full of challenge, it's, it's ripe with possibilities. Um, but I want you to just think about something. Go is the last word in the Gospels. It's, and these three words fill the gospel story. Go is the last word in the gospel. And Jesus is commissioned to his disciples. But these first three words are part of how Jesus shapes and influences his disciples to make a difference in the world. Here's, here's the first verse where we see this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. It's, it's where the gospel writers uh, fill us in on when Jesus called some of these first disciples to him. And we read this in this verse, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. But if we just pause at that word, come, and just, just pause there for a second. Now, this word, it, this is the third conversation or third um, letters in red, if you want to call it, in, your, in Matthew. So you might say, but Dave, if, 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 if you really read through Matthew, we see that Jesus speaks when he's speaking to Satan in the desert. We see that Matthew tells us that Jesus' message was um, repent and believe because the kingdom is near. Didn't Jesus speak? And he did. But that conversation with Satan was this one-on-one. And this summary statement of Jesus' message was the kingdom is here, repent and believe. But the first conversation we see Jesus having with disciples, that's the first word he uses. Come. Come. And I I love that because... Here's this personal word, this personal first word that the disciples hear. It's not go. It's not change the world. 
It's not um, stop doing this or stop doing that. It's not even believe and repent, even though that's definitely part of the message of the gospel. But it's this word come, this invitation. This invitation to come close, this invitation to eventually we'll talk about following, which eventually leads to impacting people. But the invitation starts with, I'm inviting you to a new life. I'm inviting you to a new set of values, a new understanding. I'm inviting you to, to come so close to me that your life will be changed from the inside out, both for, for now and into eternity. Even the message of salvation starts with the invitation to come. Come. I love how, how Jesus uses this word in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. It's another famous passage, but he, he's talking to his disciples here, and he says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love, again, here's Jesus' first word, come to me. This, this promise of a kind of life that the disciples have not been able to discover yet in their religion, in their law, in the philosophy of the day, in their culture, in their ethnicity. This promise of a kind of life that is new and fresh. And he says, come and find rest. He doesn't say come and find sleep, right? He doesn't say come and find passivity, come and find boredom, come and find inactivity. But he says, come and find rest. And if you look at rest, even in the whole of scriptures, rest is often a metaphor for true life. For a life that is not a life like a rat race life, but a life that God is, becomes the source at and you feel like you're truly living, where there's joy and completion. And then Jesus says, come to me. But he says, learn from me. Learn this life from me. What's he saying? Get immersed into this life. Get saturated with the kind of life that I am going to show you. That's why he says, take my yoke upon you. Take my way of life upon you. I love the way Eugene Peterson translates these few verses. It's up on the next slide. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. What an amazing invitation. And I think that initial word, come, is just pregnant with all that, that, all that beauty and life. To learn from Jesus, to invite it to these new patterns, new practices, and a life that breathes life into us and doesn't steal from us. Jesus said himself in John 10, I've come to give you life and life to the fullest, but the enemy comes to steal and destroy. So he's inviting us to come. That's part of what it means to be saturated with Jesus. But he uses another word in Matthew 4, and it's the word follow. He says, come, and he says, follow me. Follow me. This word is often uh, directly associated, obviously, with a life of mission because he says, I'm going to lead you to fish for people. I'm going to lead you to impact people. You're going to be, when you follow me, you're going to impact the world around you. But as he says, follow, you got to just, just step back into a first century context. And maybe you've heard this before already, but even in this whole rabbinic tradition that Jesus lived in, in that first century time, he was like a rabbi inviting students to follow him. Like Jesus was the master and he was inviting these new students to become part of his group. 
So a disciple really means to be a learner, to be someone who learns from their master, who's on a journey of growth towards a different level of living, a different level of being, a different level of understanding. So follow me means learn from me. It means take my life and, and, and understand it and then slowly let it seep into your life. There's this tradition that went around, and, uh, and it's often been a popular illustration, where in the first century, as a rabbi would walk the streets, and his disciples would walk really closely behind him, um, as they would walk, there was this, this saying that said, oh, this rabbi's disciples walk so closely behind him that their feet are covered in his dust. That, that they're, so, they're, they're walking so closely beside or behind or around their rabbi that their feet are covered with the dust that comes off his shoes as he's walking on a dirt road in first century Palestine. What an amazing image of what it means to follow. What it means to be covered with the influence of our master. To be covered with the influence and authority of Jesus, to be immersed by the overflow of our master's life, by, by the beauty and purpose and heart and love of Jesus. And in a sense, I love that image of disciples following their rabbi because it's like the disciples are caught up in the trail, in the wake of their master. That's saturation. That's, that's this image of what it means to be saturated with Jesus, the one who we're called to follow. If you've been following Christ for a while, that's the heart of what that means. If you're just fresh here and listening today and you're wondering, what does it mean to be a Christian? Is it a label? Is it part of a religion? Is it, just, is it to be part of some, a church in the neighborhood? To follow Jesus is to be influenced by Jesus, is to call him Lord and leader of your life, is to come at, at him and trust him, but then take up that invitation to follow and live out the life he instills in us. It's surrender, it's turning away from sin, but at the heart of it on a day-to-day basis is I am, I am covered with the influence of my master. He's leading me to a different kind of life. And it leads to this last word, and it's a wonderful word. It's the word abide. Before we read it, well, let's just read a couple of verses in John 15, verses 4 and 5. And John 15, Jesus says these words. Now the word there is remain, and in some Bibles you'll have the version will say abide, but it, it would mean similar Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. We did a whole six-week series on this text uh, back in January, and I encourage you, if you didn't hear or weren't with us then, to go back and listen to it because we just dug so deep into John 15. But just for this morning, just to get a sense of this, here's this, this other word that's, I think, on the canvas of, of the story of the Gospels, this word, after come, after follow, it's this invitation from Jesus to abide in him, to remain in him. And it's not a passive sense. It's, it's an active posture to get rooted in Jesus, to, to, be, to be in Christ, the scripture says those who are in Christ become new creations. The sense of abiding is like what Paul might say to the Ephesian church, that we all uh, grow towards maturity in Christ, that we would grow up into him who is the head. So we, we end up just um, being enthralled with not just who Jesus is, but being so rooted in, in him. 
And so Jesus teaches his disciples that they need to discover this posture of being rooted in him if they want to discover the full life that's in store for them. And if they want to eventually make an impact in the world around them. And I think this is probably one of the most important words before we ever get to go. Jesus early on says, abide in me, remain in me. And here's the deal. You will bear much fruit, but if you live apart from me, you won't bear fruit. So before Jesus ever gets to go, he says, abide, be rooted, be saturated with my life. His desire is for us to be fruitful. His desire is for us to produce something, to impact others. But the road to fruitfulness is abiding. The road to going and seeing an impact is abiding. And Jesus can't be any clearer when he says, apart from me, you can't do anything. We might want to be trees with a lot of leaves, but a lot of leaves and no fruit is not what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for and knows that a tree can grow, a person can grow, and not just grow leaves, but grow fruit and impact people. And then he says, but when you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. These two metaphors he uses, and I'm just going to refer He uses one metaphor as the word. He says, as you abide in me and my word abides in you. That's his teachings. Often we think the gospel is just a summarized phrase of what Jesus did. What's the gospel? Jesus died for my sins. What's the gospel? Uh, To, you know, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. And it is the core of the gospel. But the gospels of Jesus, the stories of Jesus are the words of Jesus. We, We immerse the, the, the full stories of Jesus into our lives. And Jesus says, remain in me as my word, as my teachings remain in you. Another word that he uses in this whole abide thing, he says, as you abide in my love, as you abide in, in, this, in this relationship, this loving relationship where my love is poured out for you. They, they didn't see the cross yet when he wrote this, but eventually they would see the fullness of God's love poured out for them in the cross. So Jesus is saying, let my words... Let my life and teachings saturate your life. Then he's saying, let my love, let, let, our, let the relationship that you have with me saturate your life. Because if, if we think about God using us to saturate our neighborhoods or our city, we have to ask ourselves, um, what order are we, are we walking this life of faith in? And I would say, before we go, or even maybe while we go at least, Let's think of these three words, come, follow, abide. And I think the order is so vital. The order is so vital. Come, follow, abide. And, and that's what the disciples did. And when they went, when Jesus left them and he commissioned them to go, I mean, crazy stuff happened and fruit happened and growth happened and saturation of Rome and other cities and Antioch and Jerusalem and then cities like Ephesus and Colossae and Galatia and on and on and on. And we go to Alexandria and others as we go into the second and third and centuries, we see the church and the disciples of Christ who are walking the way of Jesus. That's what they called it in the first century. As they walk that way, they are rooted. They have come. They are following. They are abiding. And then we see the fruit take shape. And, and I'm excited to get to that next week about this whole saturating the city. But today I just want to pause on this idea. Are we saturated with Jesus? How do we do that? I mean, what do we, what do, we do with that? A few months ago, I was sensing God nudging me and kind of captivating me with this thought of, Dave, you're, you're trying to accomplish too much and you're not immersing yourself in me enough. 
You're trying to do so much, and, but you're not immersing yourself or pursuing intimacy with me enough. And it was almost like I, was, I felt God was telling me, stop trying to be fruitful and just abide more. He wasn't telling me to like slack off or be lazy or do anything like that, but he was saying, stop being so preoccupied with the fruit and, and abide more with me. So don't hear when Jesus says this, be lazy or do nothing or get passive. It's, instead, it's let your activity flow out of a different source. Let your decisions come out of a, a new kind of wisdom, which is Christ's wisdom. Plan your week with a different uh, mentality, with a different approach. Find your rest from a new source, not the source that you just try to in our life, like culture calls us to, be, to escape things. And so what, how does that, what does that look like? Some of you are going to think, well, what does that mean? Do I have to like open the Bible at six in the morning and read for an hour? And I have a hard time going past five minutes. Uh, some of you are saying like, do I have to be silent and pursue solitude? There's some great spiritual practices that we could explore today, but we're not going to get into all of them. But I want you to just think for a moment, and I'm going to ask the team to come up because we're going to end in a moment. I want you to think for a moment, what, what would a day with Jesus look like? What would a day with Jesus look like? I wish, I wish I took a whole Sunday just to walk through this, but what would a day with Jesus look like? Sometimes we get caught up with saying, okay, I'm going to make sure there's one priority moment of 15 or 20 minutes that I'm going to read some scripture and pray, and then it's like, awesome, I did that. Check off the list, and I feel good. Thank you, Jesus, for saturating me for 20 minutes. Now I'm going to go do everything else in my life. And, and it's, it's hard because there's so many things that are getting our attention, right? There's this practice that uh, some liturgical churches developed years ago called the daily office. That throughout the day, there was moments in the day where you would check in with Christ, if you want to call it that way. And um, it's an amazing, I think, flow of a day because when you just spend a moment or a couple of moments with God with Christ in the day, and then leave the rest to whatever happens, you, let's be honest, you leak. You tend to leak. You, yeah, we want to leak Jesus in good ways, but when I say leak, it means like, like we feel like, oh man, whatever happened this morning is gone now. There's a guy in New York, his name is Rich DeVos, and I mean, I can imagine what pastoring in maybe in Queens, New York, that's where he pastors at a church called New Life Church, and he says, um, he, he, he talks about this daily office in, one of, in a message that I heard from him, and he says, it's so awesome if you spend 20 minutes with Jesus in the morning or 30 minutes in prayer and reading, but once you hit traffic, like half of it's gone. And, and, like, and once you hit that break at 10 a.m. and you see that annoying person you didn't want to see... There's 20%. It's just gone. And then once you hit the meeting after lunch and you feel ill prepared and you're overwhelmed and you're like, how am I going to do this? There's another 20%. And then you drive home back in traffic. Maybe you get home to a really rambunctious child. Or maybe you get home to, I don't know. And then it's gone. And by 6 p.m., you're the most godless person on your street. So, (laughs) does anybody feel like that sometimes? And so what if we said, I don't want to just spend moments with Jesus. I'd like to figure out how to spend my day with Jesus. And I'm going to just, we're going to leave you with the most simplest thing today. And it's the sense of a daily office. What if you paused a few times throughout the day and you paused for literally 30 or 60 seconds? Now you're saying 30 or 60 seconds, what's that? So we're going to try this for a second. And, uh, and I'm going to just put 30 seconds on my timer on my phone. I think I'm only allowed to do a minute. 
So we're going to do a minute. Now, you might say, what's a minute? When I put gas I used to, in my car, I often felt like, oh my goodness, I want to hurry up, get on the road, get on the road, get on the road. But once I timed myself how long it took to put 50, 50 liters of gas, it only took 90 seconds. I thought, why am I rushing? I, like, I thought, oh, why, why am I going crazy about this? Here's the opposite. Sometimes we think, how am I going to stop? What's, and then you might think, well, big deal, one minute. So here, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to put my phone on timer. I'm going to start it right now. And we're just going to be silent for 60 seconds. And we're going to invite Jesus to saturate our lives. You ready for this? Here we go. I'm pressing start. It'll beep when we're done. Just in your own words, invite Christ to saturate your life. Maybe there's a phrase or two that helps you. If we slowly breathe in and say these words, fill me, Jesus. Let's just do that. Just breathe in and say those words, fill me, Jesus. And now when you breathe out, just say these words. Free me, Jesus. Fill me, Jesus, with your presence. My timer's done. Was that long? Was it meaningful? Like, imagine just 60 seconds with Christ. So here's what I'd like you to do as we, when we close today and when we're done. I want you to, maybe you do this on your phone or on your computer. And all you need is a little bing. That's all you need. And if you miss it, don't get down on yourself. But what if you set little timers throughout the day? At 8 in the morning, 10 in the morning, noontime, maybe 3 in the afternoon, and then sometime after supper. And you said, I am going to have meet-up times with Jesus throughout the day. And invite Jesus to fill me and saturate me. And then say, Jesus, free me. Because we don't want to just be saturated with Christ. We want to be freed from the things that want to saturate us in a different way. Maybe you have a reading plan that you read throughout the week. I know we, we have one on our website. And instead of feeling like, I'm going to just remember everything I read. Maybe once you hit that one verse or phrase that's, that speaks to you. Let that phrase be your phrase for the day. If you don't have a reading plan, we're gonna, we'll put some links on our website this week. You can go to YouVersion or Bible Gateway. There's a verse every day that you can just read as a simple way to start this, maybe to add some meat to your thoughts. One of, one of our community group leaders was sharing how they felt like they made everything else a priority in their day, exercise and work and family time, and they were wrestling with how they can spend more time with Christ. And then they, they, what they figured out is when on their commute to work, the first thing that, that went on their, earpod, their, their, their earphones from their iPod was the thing that stuck with them for the morning. And so they thought, oh, wait a second, I get it. You know, when I hear that line from the radio or this song, that sticks with me. So they, they said, you know what, I'm going to my, make my first thing my first thing. Kind of that's what they were saying. I'm going to make my first thing my first thing. I'm going to put in my ear, earpieces, I'm going to let Jesus speak into my life at the start of my commute, at the start of my day. And I want to let that be the trajectory of my day and then come back to it. 
in those moments throughout the day. So as we close today, um, I'm going to invite us to stand and invite you just to pray in your own way today um, how the Lord wants to grab a hold of your heart, how you can be shaping your day, your week. I I, I don't think what we just talked about is very complicated. I think it's a real simple thing. Um, we haven't asked you to read the New Testament in 30 days. That could be a good thing, but that's not the start of this. We haven't asked you to spend, to go up to a monastery and pray for four hours. That could be a great thing, but just saying, how do we start our day and live our day and spend our day with meet-up times with Jesus? Because come, follow, abide is so vital as we want to see God work through us. So let's, let's pray for a moment. And, and uh, what I'm going to invite you to do is, and the team will lead us in a song. If you feel like you want to go get your child and come back and worship, then that's great because I, I want to be sensitive for that. But in these next few moments, let's just invite the Lord uh, to work deeply in us. I'll lead us through a prayer. And if you want to pursue Jesus a little further, uh, then, then continue with these words that will help us uh, go deeper in him. If you feel like you need prayer, uh, myself and maybe a few others will hover around the front and be willing to pray for you. Or maybe someone that you're, you're with in your role would be willing to pray for you. But let's take this moment and just covenant with the Lord to respond to his invitation to come, follow, abide. If you're here and you're saying, oh, I want this in my life, but I've never really put my trust in Christ. Abiding is not going to be that easy because you have to respond to the come and follow part. You have to respond when Jesus has come, when Jesus has followed me, when he says, put your, put your trust in me, call me Lord. That's the first step. And if that's where you are at today, and then I invite you to make that step even right now, right here today. Just say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I will come with you. Jesus, I will follow you. Jesus, I will turn away from the sin that entangles me and a life without you and I turn to a life with you. Let's just start praying that and then move into a a whole prayer for our community. Father, we hear the invitation of Jesus to come and follow. We say yes. I say yes. If that's you, just say yes to him. Just tell him, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I turn from a life without you and determine to call you Lord today. May I move from a decision to being filled with your spirit so your life can flow through me. I respond to your act of grace and love on the cross. You died and were buried for my sins and you resurrected to new life so I can have new life. I say yes to that. I believe in that. And God, we respond to this invitation to not just come and follow but to abide. Help us. Help us even in the most simplest way, in the most simplest step this week to saturate our lives with Jesus. We long for you to not just work through us. We get excited about that. But we say, Lord, please work in us. 
Please work in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.